This is the Father Matters Show with your host, Vance Sims. Father Matters is committed to building stronger, healthier communities by supporting, encouraging, and enlightening today's fathers and families. And now, your host, Vance Sims. Welcome to the Father Matters Show. I'm your host, Vance Sims. Thank you for joining us on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. When I was doing my research for this week's guest, I came across an article in Time magazine that said, the suburbs aren't the middle class haven many imagine them to be. As new numbers show, 16.5 million suburban Americans are living beneath the poverty line. Poverty in the U.S. has worsened in the neighborhoods already considered to be poor, but it's now becoming more prevalent in the nation's suburbs, according to the Brookings Report. Today's guest is Dorothy Wellington. For years, Dorothy's life was filled with financial hardships, divorce, domestic violence, and struggles with being a single parent of three children. Dorothy is the minister of the Once a Month Church, which she began in 2006 as a community outreach for the poor and homeless in central Phoenix, Arizona. Each month, the poor and homeless arrive and receive inspirational life lessons and a meal as they distribute clothing donations and other personal items that were received during the month. Welcome to the Father Matters Show, Dorothy. Thank you, Vance. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you for being here. Let me ask you, what is the Once a Month Church? Well, it is an outreach to the poor and the homeless, and I've been so excited about it since October 2006. And what it is, I'm an inspirational teacher, and I go out there once a month, and I teach. We serve a meal, and we distribute any clothing or personal items that I think put we as ordinary citizens that are not homeless use. We all need the same thing. So things that we've gotten donated in for the community, we distributed out there. And what's so unique about that, I started in October 2006, but it was actually uh, a ladies' luncheon for domestic violence. That's the national uh, recognition for domestic violence every October on a national level. And uh, I had a, um, a luncheon for ladies. And I just had a handful of ladies and a lot of food left. And so uh, one of the... Uh, ladies that was with me, she's a counselor for the poor and homeless in downtown Phoenix. She said, Dorothy, homeless people, uh, they flood this particular library, the Burton Bar Library. She said, would it be okay if I asked them to come up and fill our seats, you know, for a meal and they can listen to you? And that's what happened. They came up, they stayed for the meeting, and I remember feeling so elated. I was so excited. I said, homeless people are listening to me. And they were blessed, and we fed them. So when it came to October, I said, God, I was so happy with what happened in October. He said, what, what can I do in November? He said, do it again. And so I went to the library on Saturday, and they were all gathering, waiting to go in. So I just passed out a, flout, a flyer and said, come on in on Sunday. We're going to be there. So that we had about 15 people. And then November, I did the same thing. Then December came. And one of the ladies, uh, she was homeless at that time, mm. she said, Dorothy, you know, you talk about God. Why don't we just call it the Once a Month Church? And that's how the name came about. And we call it the Once a Month Church. So that's how the name came about. But what led you to start the Once a Month Church? 
it was God. Yeah. I can't tell you anything else but God because I always worked with poor people, challenged people. I had a um, counseling agency for 15 years, and I dealt with low-income couples uh, coming in and depression and anxiety. So I was always there, but I had never went to the homeless, people that was right on the street. That was new. So I knew that all my 64 years in, evolved into actually ministering to people on the street, and it was something God had placed in my life. I didn't go out saying, hey, people, I want to do, do a, a homeless outreach for the poor and those living in poverty. I didn't do that. It just evolved, and it was God himself that brought it into my heart. Wow. How are you similar or different than other church on the street ministries? I believe all of us uh, have um, a gift from God, and it's all in different areas. And mine is to build self-esteem. When I started, uh, when I, I have a social service background, and I've, I've been a, a counselor even over at Ebony House in South Phoenix for, for the guys dealing with addiction. And I knew a lot of social resources. So when I started out there in those early months, it's like, why are they not partaking of these services? You know, anything you can think of, there's a service for it. And God gave me a little bit more insight into them, and that was their heart and self-esteem. My model for what I do is actually based on Maslow hierarchy of needs. The very base, and you'll see people out there, the very base is physiological, and you have ministries and nonprofits out there helping with food, shelter. We have a lot of city programs and state programs for housing, food, shelter, uh, air, these things, the very basic. There are people out there doing that. I thought I was called to do that. That's the first thing I want to do. You want to feed them and clothe them. But what I do when I give them uh, food, it's based on the meal. For my teaching, we have a meal and we have clothing. We give them clothing because they need a change to refresh their clothing. But I found out I was not a clothing bank. I was not a food bank. But initially, that's what I thought. But the second level in, in Maslow hierarchy of needs is safety. And I believe, because we all work together. That's the police. They help them to stay safe. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it to them, but they're really helping them to stay safe. That's the second level in that pyramid. The third level is love and belonging. That's where I'm at. I'm at that third level. I help to give them love, respect, and dignity. And if they don't feel anything else when they come out there in that park and out there on that grass and those pavements, they know that we love them. And then self-esteem, that's one of my keys to thinking. We left the word of being homeless out there. I'll say, good morning, superstars of the most high God, because God showed me that's what they, they're missing. They're missing. You can give them food, shelter, clothing. You can even try to give them jobs and give them this. But if they're not built up in self-esteem and who they are and the power of who they are, they're going to fall. But I work on self-esteem building every way which I can, and I try to give them the very best clothes. You know, I'm even picky about the clothes I mm. give. We give lots of clothes come in, but everything that comes in don't. They need to be clothing that's better than they have on their bodies. So building self-esteem. And if I can build self-esteem with the help of God and his spirit, they're going to take the initiative because if you give, give them so much, well, I'm going to take you to this place for service. I'm going to take you over here. They can find their way, but they have to have motivation, have to be self-motivated. And if they're self-motivated, uh, they're more apt to stay and to keep and to continue to grow. But if they become codependent on you to do everything for them, 
and, the, and you don't build that up on the inside of them, they'll be homeless for the rest of their lives until they, they're dead. And they, I, it's, it's sad, but they died like 30 years earlier. And if you can just kind of think about it this way, when you're out there and you're driving, how many elderly homeless people do you see with white hair? You're not going to see it. They usually die around 40 and 50. Sometimes it's through um, violence. Sometimes it's through abuse. And many times it's through a mental illness and not getting medications. And many times it's through addiction. But you'll rarely see, and you see somebody with white hair that's chronically um, uh, homeless, they have a lot of other issues. But you won't, you won't see a herd of them. Our average population probably is about age 21 to about 45. And the senior uh, ages is the smallest percentage because they don't, they don't live. Just since I've been out there, we've probably lost 10 people that I know of. Wow. You know, yes. Now, you help them with food. You help them with clothing. You give them a, a, a positive word. Let's unpack the self-esteem a little bit more. How do you help them with self-esteem? How do you give them self-esteem? By treating them with love, respect, and dignity. If you treat them with love, respect, and dignity, when we first uh, came, I'd say the first year, they never made eye contact. Mm. They always would talk to us with their head down. And so I, you know, I would tell them, uh, I'm so happy that you came today. One of the names that superstars represent when you've been downtrodden for years and years and years, you think very little of yourself. And God told me to start calling them superstars because when they come out there, you know that's progress. They don't come; they can get food anywhere. It's you know whether you're at St. Vincent de Paul, you're at some other type um, program where they're giving out meals. But when they come there, they know that myself and my staff are going to treat them with love, respect, and dignity. And then I encourage them and almost instruct them. Then you also have to treat your peers. You have to treat others with love, respect, and dignity. And so uh, we have everything, like, organized. It's not chaotic. It's organized because they're important enough. I tell them I would not treat them any different than I would President Obama. If President Obama came out here, I would treat them the same. And so what has happened to them, they have learned to trust me. Mm. We out there, whether uh, sun, cold, whatever it is, and I remember we, we had moved out of the Burton Bar Library. We had got too big. And we went to the, they said, well, Dorothy, we're all coming from the park. Let's go to the Margaret T. Hans Park. And we came out there one day. It was like, I don't know, like 40 degrees. is one of our very rare Arizona mm-hmm. cold mm-hmm. days. And it was about 50 of them up under the bridge. And we came and we started bringing things out. They said, we never thought you would come out here because it's cold. I said, you're out here. I'll be out here. Mm-hmm. And, go ahead. Has your approach to reach out to the poor ever been criticized? Oh, yeah. Really? <laughs> and our general public is kind of like the main ones. Whenever I talk to someone, especially with fundraising, it's like it's their choice. Why do you want to waste money and time to go out there and give to these people? And I've been told that a lot because they think it's a choice. It's not a choice. You know, they're out there, and what happens it's like you're digging a hole, digging a, a, a canal, right. and you have to go deeper and deeper and deeper. Those that are homeless, and even the, especially the chronic homeless, homeless ones, they have been digging, going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And they can't even see their way out because it's impossible. Let me give you this example. With our Streets of Gold Leadership Program, that's a workshop that we do every month when we have, when we have funding. And in December, that's when we... Um, 
have a celebration for that particular program. And I had a, found a company in Scottsdale who uh, donated a limousine, a 15-passenger, no, 14-passenger limousine. Mm-hmm. And so we were at the hometown buffet in Scottsdale, and they were hesitant about getting in. And so I said, come on, guys, it's, it's, it's free. It's our gift to you. You had perfect attendance. It's, it's a gift. And one man, he still would not get in. You know what he told me? Right. He said, I know if I get in there, it will never happen to me again. That's something I will never be able to do. Now, we've had it two years. Now, this past year in 2013, she came and she took them to the restaurant and back. And he was one of the first ones to get in. But see, he's been in my meetings month after month after month. And all of a sudden, he was one of the first ones to get in. But that first year, he said, because I know I could never do it again. One of your statements you just said when you were doing some fundraising, people would say things like, those people. Yes. Those people. I just read out of the Time magazine, 16.5 million suburban Americans. It, it, it's not just low income anymore. 16.5 million suburban Americans are living beneath the poverty line. That means they might be in a middle-class home driving a middle-class car, but they are running out of money before we run out of month like other people too. Pretty soon, like those people are going to become those people. Can, can I ask you, why do you think people or families get to the point of homeless? It's not a blanket answer. Mm-hmm. You can't just say, well, when they lose their jobs, because it, it's so uh, buried out there. One of the first men that I that had, I had met, believe it, he had been kicked out by his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. They were living together. The, the lease was in uh, her name. So when they had a fight, she kicked him out. He did not look like the typical wow. homeless person. He was still still had well dressed, still had clean shoes on. But I start telling them, you know, you have to watch it when you're in um, uh, say living together relationships that that's shared. Because if the couple breaks up, some of them are out there become broken relationships. Some are out there. I've met many, many people who came here from out of state. They came here, had a job in line. It failed. They came here to get a better start and then had a conflict with relatives, and that, that failed. Some are, are broken. Uh, just, they just have the brokenness happens in so many different ways that they end up holding. That's why you can't just say one word, low income. You're listening to the Father Matters Show with Vance Sims, and today's guest is Dorothy Wellington, minister of the Once a Month Church. And we'll be back after this. Hi, this is Vance Sims, host of the Father Matters Show. Would you consider partnering with us? Father Matters is a nonprofit ministry that's listener supported and relies on donations and grants. All funds raised go directly to Father Matters mentoring programs for families which means that your donation will help important projects that service children and families. For more information about partnering with us, log on to fathermatters.org and click the Donate to Father Matters icon. Together, let's build stronger, healthier communities by supporting, encouraging, and enlightening today's fathers and families. Father Matters presents Pearl Conference 2014, an evening of elegance. Saturday, October 18th at the Crown Plaza Phoenix Airport Hotel. Register today at fathermatters.org. Use this elegant date night as an opportunity 
to connect with your spouse and hear practical ways to strengthen and enhance your marriage. Register today at fathermatters.org. Keynote speakers for the evening, Chris and Carmen Garner, founders of the ministry, Fortified Marriages. Pearl Conference 2014, an evening of elegance. Register today at fathermatters.org. That's fathermatters.org. Just two more weeks until Pearl Conference 2014, an evening of elegance. We have a few tickets left. You can pre-register at fathermatters.org. Also, you can catch the Father Matters show nationally every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time by logging on to blogtalkradio.com or catch our archive shows anytime worldwide at soundcloud.com. Today's guest is Dorothy Wellington, minister of the Once a Month Church. If you're just tuning in, you can catch the top of the show at fathermatters.org. Dorothy, what challenges do people face when trying to resolve homelessness or poverty? One of the main things, it may sound a little different for me to say it, but is having faith and courage to try again after so many failures. That's the biggest obstacle. Because if they can get encouraged and empowered, you know, to, to, to try again, they're going to be okay. But that's the biggest, to have faith and courage after so many fa- failures. Of course, they need nice homes and affordable. And I had a lady out there, um, she was on um, SSDI, Social Security Disability Income, which is not a lot of money. But she was receiving an income, so finally... She was out there, I mean, sleeping, eating everything out there at the Margaret T. Hans Park. And so finally she got a home. But what happens when you have low income? Sometimes you get caught up in slump landlords. And that's what was happening to her and her children. She got a place that she could afford on SSDI, but it wasn't very good. So she had a slum landlord and all kind of things were taking place in that apartment. So then in a couple of months, she was back on the street again. But nice, affordable homes. And, of course, most of them need training or retraining uh, for, um, to get, empl- get employed. And a lot of times they need help. There's a lot of mental illness out there, along with physical. Di- we do have sometimes people in wheelchairs. We, have, we had a couple of veterans out there in wheelchairs. Um, we have lots of mental illness and addictions. And I always put addictions under that same category of uh, mental illness. They just they need help. And a lot of people can um, qualify for uh, Social Security disability, and they tried, and it failed, and they don't go back through the appeal process. So now when I find someone like that, I encourage them. We give them a resource they can go to because they can qualify if they go through another appeal process because the majority of people, they say, do not get approved the first time around. So I found a lot of people that were discouraged and just downtrodden out there on the grass, especially at the Margaret T. Hans Park, who, who try again but they didn't have the faith or the courage to even try but with help you know us nudging them they did i know several of them now who has disability income coming in right and and also you know it's more today is different than 10 15 years ago it's more than just getting people placed on a job they need we need to help them get placed on a job with uh uh 
livable wages. Yes. Because, you know, we've seen a lot of people that they might get a job, but three to five, eight months later, they're quitting the job or getting fired from the job. Yes. Of course, one is attitude. Uh, one of lack uh, is lack of self-esteem. But they need to have affordable wages as well. So the job and training also have to step up. Yes, and I also would add to uh, case management. Uh, I'm not, I've been a case manager, but I, I don't do case management out mm-hmm. there. But that's something that they need when they're transitioning from homelessness, you know, into uh, mainstream society. Mm-hmm. They, need, they need continual help. I would even say for the first year or two, I had one man out there who had been homeless for, oh, my God, maybe 20, 30 years. That was, that was his life. He got an apartment, and he was a diabetic. Right. And he said, Miss Well, I was so excited with that refrigerator. I just filled it up with all kind of juices and sodas and candy. And I ended up in the hospital, you know. But if somebody was there that was helped him with the housing, they need continual case management, at least for that first year or two. I had one guy, he, he was going to get an apartment. We were at the last Sunday of the month. He said, Dorothy, in two weeks, I'm going to have my own apartment. And he said, I'm scared. Mm. I'm scared. And I thought, it's going to be okay. I said, at least you got a place uh, and a roof over your head. And all during the days, whatever day, you can always go out. But now you got a place you can come in. Mm. But believe it or not, when you first give them a place to stay, they're fearful. So there needs to be more case manage, long-term case manager for them once they are placed on a job or in a home because they will go right back again. Well, along with case, uh, case management, how can the community help people through poverty? One of the first things I would say for the community, you need to let go of, of discrimination and you need to let go of prejudgments. That's one of the biggest things the community needs to let go of because they've already prejudged them like we talked about earlier. Well, that's their choice. It's not their choice. So discrimination, that, that homeless person is on the inside of you, just like those statistics that we now have. Because you can, you can be homeless at a drop of a hat. These days, if you haven't had that that money stored up, you know, in a savings account, mm. you lose that job. And someone told me it's not the next paycheck that following week. You know, you could be homeless. And if you don't have family, friends and other support system, a homeless person's on the inside of us. And even myself, the things that I went through and I went through a very um, bad relationship around about 1990 and it left could have left me and my kids homeless. Mm-hmm. But my daughter was OK. She, she had a place to stay. My son had friends. But me and my youngest, I had to stay with my sister for three weeks because I had no place to stay. I could have been homeless. But at three weeks, I experienced that. But yet, I had a place to stay because of family. Well, I know this takes a lot of resources from donations of clothing and food and bottles of waters, as well as finances. Where can our listeners go to learn more about the Once a Month Church and if they want to donate to your ministry? Yes, it's uh, our website is uh, DorothyWellingtonMinistries.com, DorothyWellingtonMinistries.com. And on there is a whole display of what we do. And is it a phone number they can contact you? Yes, it's 602-593-5903. Are you willing, if someone wanted to know, how can they bring the Once a Month Church in their community? We got listeners all over the country. Yes. And and somebody's listening to this in Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor, Michigan, from Texas to to Utah to Denver. How would they go about starting something like this? Will they be able to contact you? Yes, they can at that six zero two five nine three five nine zero three. But I'll tell you up front, you follow 
the passion that's in your heart. There's so many needs of a homeless person, of people who live in poverty. You can't do it all. Just like when I mentioned Maslow hierarchy of needs, there's people at every level and find out what, what passion you have. And then you go from there. Wow. Dorothy, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate this so much. I loved it. Uh, and give us the website one more time. It's Dorothy Wellington ministries.com. All right. Thank you so much. And thank you for tuning into the father matters show. Send us your questions or comments to info at fathermatters.org. Thank you to my engineer, Jeremy Siegel. Ladies, Saturday, October 11th, Father Matters is hosting a mother-to-mother workshop. We'll be at St. Luke's Medical Center. Log on to fathermatters.org for more information. See you next week at the same time, same place. Have a safe week. Thank you and God bless.